And you know, us sports moms have something to say. Yes, we do. We'll have a chance to interview across the board from athletes to the parents to the coaches to even the trainers. Yeah. And we're not afraid to share our journey. We're not afraid to tell other moms what we went through in order to raise up a student athlete. So I believe that it's inspirational. Yeah. We're able to tell our stories of good and the bad. We can give back positive information. Absolutely. You know, we can empower. It's Karen, Cake Dog Karen. I'm your host, and my other host is Carmen, aka Mama D. All right, you guys, welcome to the show. Can we talk sports? We have another great show on tonight, and we are excited. Yes. So, Carmen, what's been going on this week, girl? Oh, it's been a busy week for me. Karen, it's been a busy week. My job is crazy. Having us work in 10 hour days, Ooh. Ooh, six days a week. So Ooh. it's been a little bit crazy. Yeah, I had to work yesterday. I did volleyball matches Friday night. So I officiated. So yeah, I've been busy, girl. I'm tired. Ooh. Oh my God. So you've had a busy week too. So tell me. I have. First of all, yesterday made 31 years at my job. Wow. 31 years on November the 7th. Oh, my God. Ooh. Oh, let me just take a breather. Because when you said 10 hours and six days a week, if they come and talk to me about overtime, I'd be like, I ain't gave you 31 years. I can't give you no overtime. I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. But Back you know, then, I had my kids, you know, and stuff, but all my kids are grown. So it ain't about money right now. So I can't give right? you no overtime. It's mandatory, girl. It's mandatory. They're not even playing like, uh. But, you know, you have busy. So you do taxes, right? You have busy times of the year. So Right, right, right. So it mine is mandatory, too. And my boss, you know, he had called me, you know, during our busy season. He was like, you telling me you're not going to work overtime? I said, yeah, I'm telling you I'm not going to work overtime. He said, okay. Because it's like I'm working from home now. So I'm like, what you going to do, like fire me 31 years? That's a nice package. I, I just don't know what to tell them. I just don't know what to tell But I am grateful, though. I try to, it's a thin line because I'm like, I'm trying to be grateful because I do thank God because he provided for my family during them time. So, you know, yeah. I want to be grateful. But at the same time, it's like, a, I think I'm done because, you know, I'm ready to, you know, like you say, I have Move tax on. business. And we got the talk show. I'm doing a documentary. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm ready to do things that 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 I I think that I love to do. You that know, bring you joy. That bring me joy, and it's more yes. than about making money. Yeah. So you know, that's a, this side of my life. You know, I went up the hill. I'm going down. So I want to do some things that I love to do. So mm. uh, I, I'm okay mm -mm. if they come and tell me. You know what? If they mm. come and tell me they're gonna lay me off. I'm gonna do a video. I'm gonna have a dance. I'm gonna be, like, I'm gonna be shouting. But anyway, but yeah, but we, yeah. Other than that, you know, this week uh, we lost our mayor, Mayor of Desoto, Curtis mm. McCowan. 
Uh, it was, you know, a lot of people don't even know their mayor, but we know our yeah. mayor here in DeSoto. She was involved in everything. You know, this show is, you know, it's a tribute to her. She was mm -hmm. involved in everything. Anything that was something that was going on, she was invited. She was going to try to go. And I was just yeah. so honored when I did my premiere uh, for the one of this documentary, Path to the Draft 7, the DeSoto Youth Player. She, she had a meeting, but she came in. She said, I didn't want to miss it. I wanted to Aww. support you. And I was, that just meant the world to me that she would fight to take her time out to come and support something, you know, something that yeah. I was doing. And that's what we do here in, in DeSoto. That's yeah. what I try to promote. That's what it's about, us supporting each other. You know, when I follow you, follow, you know, we, we stand yep. together. And, and that's what that's what. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So, mm -hmm. and then our biggest rival, the Battle Beltline, you know, battle. <laughs> oh, five miles apart. We play a, another high school team five miles apart, and it's every year is a big game, big rival, you know. And so, we had a show that we brought some pl fans, players, and coaches just to talk about the history, and they predicted the Soto to win, and we got there and we lost. Oh. But Ooh, that's a hard. A but both teams are really, really good historically. Not just this year or last year. Or, yeah. I mean, historically, both teams are good. Yes, yes. They were they were saying that on this side, the south side of Dallas, our teams are the only teams that have won championships mm. around this area, and so. Um, Mm -hmm. It was it was a great game. And I went on Facebook and thank, you know, I said a shout out to Coach uh, Lynn. And I said, we bow down. Y'all got bragging rights for one year. We bow down. One year. <laughs> one year. We're going to let you have it for a year. We get yeah. it back. I was being a good sport. You know, that's what it's about. You know, we laugh, have our fun, but to come together and be a good sport about it. And that's what it was about, too. And we wish everybody could be good sports. <laughs> right. What's up with them cowboys? <laughs> hey, you know what, Karen? Honestly, like, they shocked me today. They came in with that little new quarterback, and they tried to win. I was, they you know... Do? They were doing really, really good. Yes, until the last second. You know, I mean, well, really that fourth quarter, um, Pittsburgh started coming back. But, I mean, they played decent, like really decent. So, I like they really I'm wanted like it. Great for loss. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so, well, listen, you guys, we have a great guest on the show. Man, we got some trendsetters out there that are breaking in the NFL. And so yes. we have one on the show. And her name is Phoebe Checker. Checker? I'm sure she'll correct me on Checker? her name. Yeah. <laughs> she'll correct me. I'm, I'm sorry I'd be messing up people's name. Please forgive me. But welcome to the show, Coach Phoebe. Yay. Walkthrough intern coaches, great job stepping up. You guys are an important part of what we're doing here. Urgency, communication, coaching the guys, that's big for us. So appreciate that. 
My name is Stevie Schechter. I'm a coaching intern. My story is so random. I moved to the UK about six years ago now, and I was just looking for a way to meet people and had seen an ad on Facebook for basically American football team. Because I've got dual citizenship, it allows me the opportunity to play for their national team. Luckily, I had an affinity with contact, so I ended up at linebacker, and my career has just grown from that. So this is my first full season with the Bills. At the end of training camp, Coach McDermott had asked if I wanted to stay on for the season. Well, I think first and foremost, she brings energy. She has a contagious personality. She's curious, which I think is important because when you're curious, you have that desire to get better, and the players see that. Where are you coming from? Uh, yeah, well, I'm from like Danbury, Richfield really? area. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah. If you have the right mindset and you can visualize, that is infectious to other people. When I'm on the field, I make sure that I give my all, all the time. I am a big believer in 100% effort, and I try and instill that in others. Detroit, Detroit, look team. Flip it. You guys are that side? We're flipping it. I think that my playing experience has allowed me to relate to the players now. Perhaps it's as simple as how can I help them get more energized or how can I help change their mindset, push them towards bringing out their own leadership skills. All of these experiences are, are helping me become a better coach and then hopefully a better player. Here we go. So your inside foot's back. The tight ends are such a great group to be a part of because you're part of the run game, you're part of the pass game. So I really love that learning curve. And Phoebe's come in and become one of our own and has really accepted the challenge of being a trendsetter and has made the most of it. Bam! Yeah, good you. Having a female in the room all the time was probably a bit of a shock to them. What do I say? What can I not say? How do I behave? But now it's like they're big brothers. They help me learn. I learn from how they learn. It's just a really nice synergy that we all have together. Every team has diversity. It's the good teams that can accept the diversity and become a family. Regardless of race or regardless of gender, you start to see those people as people. The Bills and the Pagulas, everything they do is so progressive. All this culture and everything that Coach McDermott's trying to do has to come from a top-down trickle effect, and they definitely set the standard for other teams out there. Accepting the diversity and recognizing that everybody's in this for the same reasons is what's going to make a team successful and build a culture that's a winning culture. When we cross over the line, I need your energy, men and women. I'll define the tempo every period. We're all working from the same sheet of music. At the end of the day, you need to send that elevator back down to allow others these opportunities. And if you have a bigger pool to pick from, then you're putting yourself and giving yourself that extra edge. So I just want to help as much as possible. It's the way of the future. I tip my hat to the Goulas and obviously to Coach McDermott and the entire organization for opening those doors. And then I want to compliment Phoebe for when the doors are open, taking advantage of it. Here we go, tight end, partner up. If I can help others to learn, to continue to fall in love with the sport and develop them as people, that's a huge part of what's so specific to football. That develops you as humans, not just men or women on the field. Being in the NFL is, is amazing. Learning from all these incredible coaches here is only gonna help further my development. And I'm just so thankful for the opportunity. Hello, my name is Karen and I am the producer and director of the Greenwood Avenue Project 2021 
from the people, for the people of Tulsa, Oklahoma. The document is going to be about Greenwood, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, the events that led up to 1921 race massacre, and more importantly, in 1925, how they built life back over again and created, you know, a, a life for themselves on Greenwood, which some call Black Wall Street. Right. Y'all know this, brother. If I stop this brother, he acting up, I'm going to talk to him. Right. I'm not going to automatically put my gun on him. I'm going to with him. I love him. Right. Yeah, people that are serving licenses without parole for nonviolent job offenses. Right. right. About the life of Greenwood, life of Greenwood how it got yeah. started, right. all that. Yeah. 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 We ain't socializing nothing. Excellent. I am so compassionate about this project and about any project that deals with community. It's to expose what the enemy did to this to this city, but also help the people to get their voices back. I wanted to ask if this Juneteenth feels any different from the ones in the past here in Tulsa and why? Why you think it's different? The outside, there's a lot of outsiders yeah. on the inside today. Yeah. See, so if they're going to tell the story right, you know, they to tell the story right. You know what I mean? The people who really have the stories whose families were here don't even get theirs told. I demand that the history of Tulsa be taught so stuff like this doesn't keep happening. It's basically how we want change all across the world, not just in America, and that George Floyd what would Tulsa, Oklahoma be like if those businesses was never burnt down? The money to come back here and maybe, um, you know, help people start businesses. I mean, because that's what it was all about, right. those people having business. I promise you, there's, there is a lot of behind the scenes things taking place right now. Yeah. It's just not ready to, to announce right. the, of, of a major economic fund that'll be taking place for that. Okay, so what do we need help with? We need help with everything. Everything. We need help with post and pre-production. We need help with video editing. We need help with um, traveling, marketing. We have no matter small or large. Give us a donation to help us bring this project to life. If we don't reach our goal, we don't get anything. And so when you set the pledge up, you have to set it up to a number that you can reach. Of course, we need more than $5,000. If we don't raise it, we don't get any of it. So we're asking you guys to support this project. Feel free to donate, you know, uh, donate. That's 500 people to give $10. It'll be done, at least 5000 So that would be a great start. So I'm inviting you along on this journey. Let's rebuild Tulsa, Oklahoma. Greenwood Avenue. How are you both doing? Wonderful. Thank Great. you. Welcome. Thank welcome. You. Welcome Thank to you. the I'm show. I'm so excited to be here. And I love all these videos. They're <laughs> unbelievable. You guys have done such a wonderful job. 
Thank you so much. So let's get into it. Tell us all about Coach Phoebe. <laughs> I'd love to. Sure. Um, well, so I'll talk a little bit about my journey because that's probably where it's most abstract in terms of where I started to where I am now. Um, so I actually moved over to England eight years ago now, and I moved over there to work with horses. That is what I've grown up doing. Um, that's literally what I thought I would be doing my entire life. And once I moved over to England, I was looking for a way to make some friends, get a bit of American culture. You know, the weather's not always that great. So just finding nice things to do with people. Uh, and that's when I saw an ad on Facebook for American football, for football. And I just thought I'd never played the sport, but let's just go for it. I think when you're out of your comfort zone, you're so much more willing to take risks. And for me, that's precisely what happened. So try it out for the team. Even though I'd never played a contact sport, I crazy enough made it. Uh, and from there, I pretty much went from playing the sport, got involved in coaching, knew I couldn't play forever. I'm 31 now, so I knew I couldn't play forever. And I started coaching youth. And really, it's just been a, a series of working hard, getting out, meeting different coaches, becoming a part of different programs, and uh, applying for something called the Bill Walsh Diversity Fellowship. And that's really how I got my foot in the door in regards to making it with an NFL team. Wait a minute. You, you, you was playing, you, you like horses. How did horses and football come? I know. I still ask myself that question. <laughs> I, I mean, did you watch football on TV? Or I, did I wish that I was a better American, Karen, and said that I did. <laughs> I genuinely wish deep down inside. But I, no, I mean, horses were 24-7. And then it, it really, I just thought I needed a bit of American culture when I was in England. And that really sealed it for me. Um, and now just obviously now my life is football. So, I mean, I'd say the best thing about horses though, is that it's one of the life lessons it teaches you for those that know anything about horses is once you fall off, you have to get right back on. So that life <laughs> yes. lesson is carried through with me. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, um, so how long did it learn? Did it take you to learn the game of football? Yeah, I mean, it's still an ongoing learning curve, right? But it was definitely a very steep learning curve in the beginning. You know, in the UK and England, our level is not nearly the same as it is over in the US. And so for me, we went from playing kind of five aside as females to eventually building up to 11 aside. But even then, I started on special teams as, a, as the coordinator for a men's team in the UK. And a lot of my knowledge was based off of what coaches had taught me, um, obviously having to self-teach myself, uh, like my research, watching clinics. And then even by the time I got to, you know, in college, I remember one of my first, I remember I was, I was with a um, university called University of Laverne out in California. And I remember watching film with the team one day and, you know, I didn't know anything, but we were spending about 10 minutes uh, on each play going over it with the team. I remember asking the coach at the end of it, is this the normal amount of time that you watch flip <laughs> for? He was like, yes. <laughs> oh, about, what am I doing with this girl? <laughs> oh, wow. wow. So tell us about how 
tell us about the journey into the NFL now. I mean, this is this is like almost like a God thing because it's not like you can say, I, you know, I was born and breathed football. I studied it. My dad right. did it, my brother. And here it is. You got this opportunity. That is just a wow. Yeah. And it definitely, you know, it is an opportunity. And it's, I, I think a lot of times it's you get these opportunities in life. And I'm sure you both know. And yeah, there are people that are going to help you get to these situations. But what matters most is what you do with that next. It's the hard work that you put in. Um, and so when I got involved with the NFL, uh, I remember basically we'd had um, the NFL put together these careers forums for females. So we would have, you know, people like Scott Pioli, who was assistant GM of the Falcons. We had Kim Bagula, who was one of the owners of the Bills. Dean Blandino, referee, you know, uh, Ron Rivera came and talked to us. And it was just a massive networking event for all of us and be able to to listen to people who are in the business and who were really genuine with us about what it actually takes and what it's like to work within the NFL. Um, so I, you know, Scott Pioli is someone who has been one of my mentors since we met really. And he's really helped me a lot on this journey. And for me, when I applied for my, my teams through the Bill Walsh diversity fellowship, and essentially what that is, is a opportunity for minorities of any kind, you know, whether it's race, gender, disability, to get a foot in the door with an NFL team. And you apply, you choose five teams. And then from there, hopefully you make it to the interview process through teams. Um, I'd heard back from pretty much three of the teams saying no. I hadn't heard anything from the Bills. And I had been in contact with the Falcons just because Scott Pioli had become such a great mentor of mine. Um, and I, I remember it so clear as day. I just finished a meeting with Scott in New York where I was pretty much about to say yes, you know, to, to the Falcons. And I got an email on my phone whilst I was in that meeting. And it was from the Bills head coach, Sean McDermott, uh, asking him to call him. So I hopped on a phone call with him. And I just remember him saying, are you in conversations with anybody else, you know, about this internship? And I wanted to be transparent. And I said, yes, I'm speaking with Scott from the Falcons. And he just goes, well, Tell Scott you say thank you, but you're a bill now. And that was it for me. I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> wow. wow. So it was an internship. Yeah. You said Bill Walsh intern? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so Bill the Walsh pre minority. What yeah, was Bill the Walsh Yeah, Bill Walsh Diversity Fellowship. Di diversity. So what was the requirements that you had to have some kind of coaching skills or, or I could just go sign up because <laughs> I love football. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah. So you have to do, um, you have to fill in a lot of information. You have to send in references. You know, a lot of teams ask for videos of you coaching or on field or, um, you know, teaching classroom sessions with players. And then after, you know, once you've got through that and if people, if the teams even want you then, then you have to interview with, uh, you know, probably two to three different staff members. So they have an understanding of what your football IQ is, um, where they think you could sit within the team, or, you know, where would be most beneficial to work for them, but also for the person applying. So I'd always applied for um, defense for linebackers. And I actually, my first training camp got put with defensive backs. And then the following year, 
I went, uh, still applied for linebackers and ended up with tight ends. And I was with them for training camp, training camp through to the season, through postseason. And truthfully, that was the best experience for me because I, as a defensive minded person, as a player, as a coach, to learn what they're trying to achieve on the opposite side of the ball just helps you so much more and to create a more well-rounded player and coach. That makes Man, sense. I'm excited. I'm yes. just like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. So Phoebe, Phoebe, tell us a little bit more about your journey playing football um, in Britain. Like how, how was, how, I know you were working with horses and you wanted to do something <laughs> exciting and meet some people. You were missing the American experience. So you looked for football, but like, tell us about your football journey. What position did you play? That kind of thing. Of course. Um, so when I first started playing in the UK, I think because I have an American accent, they thought mm -hmm. I could throw the ball, which is not true. <laughs> I've been working on it. I promise, but it is not my strong skill. Um, so I, I kind of came into the sport when it was really in its infancy in the UK, especially for females. And what we ended up doing was a top-down approach. So we created our national program. So team GB or team Great Britain. And from there, we thought all the girls that were a part of that team would go off and create their own club teams, which to be mm -hmm. fair is what happened. So I have dual citizenship because my mom's British. So I've been able to represent GB as well. And so I started as quarterback until we actually got someone who was way better than myself <laughs> in, thank goodness. Um, but I remember I had coach at the time saying, look, you know, we obviously have a quarterback who's really good at this position. So in order for you to make this team, you're going to have to find a new position. And mm -hmm. luckily for me, I had quite an affinity with contact and that's how I ended up finding linebacker. And it was such a natural fit for me. So when we started off in only, oh, we started in fives, which is nothing mm -hmm. um, full contact. So I started at middle linebacker and then kind of as I'm getting older and kind of getting a bit smaller, moved out to like your outside linebacker nickel position. And that's pretty much where I sit now. I'll play a bit on, offense um as as a kind of blocking receiver or catch with no yards after uh no yards after catch but i i'm pretty much a utility player i'll play anywhere i just you know i just love the sport just like you guys do yeah so you're still playing so you're coaching and playing yes ma'am yes yeah so, and i play contact and flag oh very cool very cool yeah now tell us about flag flag it's becoming a huge sport. I mean, yes. even with men, it's it's becoming a million dollar sport now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, and and especially in Texas. I mean, it's massive in Texas. I know we have we've played a few different teams from Texas, and they're always quality. Um, and I think you know, I think flag is a sport. If we're looking worldwide, that's really so much more accessible to people. You know, from all different countries, it breaks down the barriers of the rules. So, you know, it's much easier for people to watch it because it's so free flowing. You don't necessarily have that start stop nature that can kind of confuse people if they don't grow up with a sport. Plus, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have much to pay for in terms of equipment. So countries right. that perhaps don't have as much money now don't have to worry about investing so much to be able to, to play a sport. 
Um, and so we've got the world games coming up in Alabama, which is going to be incredible. And, and the next step up from that is actually hopefully getting flag football into the Olympics for 2028, which would, again, it just creates opportunities for people. It gives young kids something to reach for. Uh, and especially with the 2028 Olympics being held in Los Angeles, it could be a really incredible way to showcase the athletes from within our sport. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's good. That is really good. And then the injuries, you know, um, wow. That is. I know the younger kids from ages like six, like their parents are really favoring flag football as opposed to them being so young and contact sport, like contact football is, it can be really rough. And, yeah, and sometimes when the kids start too early, they get burnt out. Exactly, exactly. And I think that flag kind of offers that way for people to get into the game and play the sport. Whilst, mm-hmm. like you're saying, not, you know, perhaps not worrying about some of the the more dangerous injuries. Um, I, I know there's been a big push in children not starting until, you know, 12 or 13, starting full contact in some countries. So flag mm-hmm. at least gets them working through the mechanics working on the fundamentals of catching and throwing. I mean, those are so essential. Um, and then, you know, just, I think it's it's a nice way to to kind of add that in. Yeah. I now, are they, they are, they are getting paid to play, right? Um, sometimes it depends, truthfully. So you can have some, some of the flag players now, they'll have money games. So you might win some money. But it's still a sport where a lot of people have to pay to play. Um, you know, even for us in the UK, as part of our national program, whether it's contact or flag, you do still have to pay to play, even for if you're representing your country. You know, it's just not at that level yet where we've had enough sponsorship come through. Um, you know, I, I hope one day people will be able to play flag football and really be paid for it. I know there's the AFFL which plays like a seven aside version and kind of combines some elements of 11 aside, like you're kicking and punting and things like that. But even then it's not necessarily being paid to play as much as you could win money from playing. Mm. Mm. Wow. Now, um, how many men did you, did you go into the locker room while they was taking a shower and did they have to say woman on the floor, woman on the floor. Anything like that. You know, but you see the, you know, you see at the end of the game, you see the uh, reporters that are right there. You see somebody walking in the back with a towel. (laughs) So with the coaches coming in, did they just holler woman on the floor? Or you just be going in there like this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like at the end of the game, um, obviously we all go down and do our post game speech or post game breakdown. And, you know, I'm, I'm in there there and they're used to me in there. Um, it's the expectation, right. I'm part of the team. So I should be allowed in the locker room with them. Um, but I remember one time in particular, we had, we were playing the Vikings. So we were, we were way at the Vikings and we had, (laughs) we had won the game, which is great, but my so wherever my locker room is my personal locker room is it changes all the time right and this one they had closed the other entrance for me to get into my locker room because it was through like the press conference room so i literally had to run through all the guys through the middle of their locker room and i was like 
I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. They thought it was hilarious because I was mortified. But they thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And, but they're just so free. I mean, they're just right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think they get more of a kick out of embarrassing you 100%. than being embarrassed, right? Being a girl so, coming through. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, Phoebe, tell us, like, how was, how did they accept you at first? Was it a hard transition or did they just welcome you or you felt like you had to earn your stripes or how was yeah. it at first? Yeah, and it was something that, um, so my first training camp, I was with a coach named Gilbert. Um, his sons have played in the league. Uh, he played in the league. And one of the things that we talked about when I first started was, how are we going to get these guys to earn my trust, right? I don't want to just show up and say, you have to trust me, you have to believe in me. Because I also, from my point of view, wasn't really sure what I necessarily could offer at that point. Because mm -hmm. I, you know, there's still NFL players who've been playing this sport way more years than I've ever followed the sport. So um, again, my first year was with defensive backs. Uh, and so what we did was I, I play obviously tackle football and I play another kind of crazy sport uh, called Kabaddi, which is like, it's one of India's national sports, but it's a mixture of MMA and rugby without a ball and tag and kind of like, um, Red Rover when you're a kid. So it's a lot of tackling. So what we did was we put together this highlight video of all my tackling from the two different sports and showed the guys. And I mean, they just loved it because I love tackling. So they absolutely bought in. They, they loved every minute of it. They still to this day still, you know, talk to me about it. And that was just a really good way to kind of be vulnerable in front of them, but also show, look, you know, I'm going to give 100% whatever it is. And um, I think from that point forward, it's more about how you develop your relationships. I think as females, we are really good at our interpersonal skills and, yes. you know, building those relationships. So uh, I just continue to do that. You know, even if it was, I was in the gym at 5 a.m., some of the guys would be in there and see me work in. They appreciated that. They valued that I was putting in work outside of of work, you know, to make myself better, which ideally would help the team. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, how was the, um, the demand on your time? Cause you know, coaching is very demanding. You don't have a social life during that season. So how was that? Yeah. And it was, it was definitely a lot to adjust to, um, you know, I mean, training camp is its own kind of world, but even when you get into the season, that still takes time to adjust to because, you know, it's a seven day a week job and you're pretty much in there from, you know, end of July through till ideally the Super Bowl in the postseason, but at least through December. And even with a bye week, really, we would get off like Wednesday through Sunday of the bye week. So it's, it's only a few days, which definitely helps, but it's not like you actually get a break, if you know what I mean. So, you know, I'd start, I'd be in the building every morning at, 515 um and you we would work through till 11 30 at night sometimes i remember i was there a couple of times with other coaches till 2 30 in the morning and then you're back in at 5 15 again so mm. it's it's and it's non-stop it's not like there's any downtime in that it is back to back to back you're you are literally trying to take advantage of every second of every day um so no it's you know it doesn't necessarily allow for much of a life outside of football, but it's really good for someone like me who needs to 
be fully involved in something. You know, I need to totally buy in and have that take all of my time. But on the other hand, then, you know, you might get five weeks off before training camp and they, you know, a lot of teams are, are a lot more flexible in the postseason as well, making sure that you get to see your family or whatever it is or whoever it is you want to. Wow. You said five in the morning to 11 yeah. at night. 1130. Yeah. So you probably have to be someone that doesn't really like sleep and that can operate on three hours of sleep, <laughs> taking a nap. And then yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. And I love my sleep. So that was tough. <laughs> 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 Now, are you back? Oh, go ahead, Carmen. I, I was just going to tell her, I love the energy that she brings on the sidelines. Like, that really impressed me. I was like, whoa, get it. I mean, they, I'm sure they embrace you because how could they not? Like, the energy that you bring is infectious. Thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's something that, I always talk about it in terms of how I view myself. And, and when I've really started this journey is almost that imposter syndrome where you feel like you don't deserve to be there or someone else, mm -hmm. you know, you're only there because you got lucky. And I think part of that journey of being more confident, believing myself had to come down to, well, what is my role within the team? What value do I bring to this team? And I knew at the time it wasn't necessarily my X's and O's knowledge. So what else can I bring? And for me, that was, being positive, bringing great energy and being consistent. I mean, that's so important, you know, especially if you're part of like a, a team that perhaps isn't doing as well, or even if you are doing well, you still need to be so level and consistent with what you do. And um, so I really value you saying that to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So did you um, have a football idol or somebody that you got a chance to meet while you were uh, coaching? You know what? It's, um, it's been like every opportunity I get to be a part in the building is, is learning from someone. Um, you know, the tight ends coach that I was with, um, Rob Boris, he, he became my, he became my idol. You know, I don't think I knew enough about the sport to really say, this is who I love to follow or want to kind of, um, emanate in, in who I am, but he is all about family. He's all about, you know, making sure the players feel like, they, they're loved, literally, you know, wow. because mm -hmm. it's really hard in that industry, as you can imagine, where you could be let go, you know, any second of the day. And and what Coach McDermott's done a great job of is um, making sure that the team feels like a family, even with that kind of threat over here. But how you get people to play and give you 100% and give play with all their heart every single game. I mean, if anyone watches Buffalo, you, you can't deny that they're really haven't been any of those big standout players. I know now we've got digs, but you've got kind of a whole bunch of really, you know, they're talented guys, but they're, they're guys that play with heart and they want to play for each other. And something that coach McDermott kind of uh, lets us all know, but also coach Boris, you know, he's a brilliant teacher. And I think when you get to that level, it's about how do you help your players understand? How can you make sure that they are able to digest all this information, process it, and make those decisions on Sunday. So you are more of a teacher and and like a, a loved family member than you are necessarily a coach. Wow. Yeah. You know, with you being a player and a coach and breaking into 
the opportunity to be in the NFL. What kind of advice could you offer these, you know, with COVID-19, you know, you have players that have been playing all their lives and they wanted that opportunity to get into the NFL. Well, since COVID-19, no rookie camps, you know, um, just just all that kind of stuff. And here they are. They're still trying to hold on to this dream of, of playing. But yet they're, you know, maybe dealing with some mental, you know, yeah. you know, depression right now. Uh, because here's another year, another year of getting older. And, you know, should I continue to fight through this? I mean, you know, can you offer any kind of advice to those players that's got that dream to get yeah. into the NFL? Yeah. And it's such a great point that you bring up. I mean, I know a lot of these players right now are worrying and they've got a lot of stress on them and there's so much uncertainty. Um, you know, the biggest thing I could say, especially during this time is, actually, you've got so much more access to more people from within the sport. So really develop who you are in terms of becoming a student of the of the game, you know, get on as many um, like CPD courses or online clinics or whatever you can to really understand what's happening at that kind of higher level, because no matter where you're coming from, that that jump to the elite level is is tough. It is really tough. Um, so putting yourself in kind of these uncomfortable situations where it causes growth as well, just do everything you can to really, you know, push yourself. I know a lot of people don't have gyms open right now, but what can you be doing at home? What are ways that you can really make yourself better physically? And then you can work on the mental side, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of little things like that that you can really focus on and you have to be, you just have to think positively because the second you let those negative thoughts enter your head in terms of, oh, well, what's going to happen next year? I don't know how it looks for, you know, what your season looks like. I, I think it can really weigh you down, but also talk to people, you know, don't be afraid to talk to people, let people know how you're feeling. It will, it will really help you um, in throughout these really tough times, but don't give up on your dream. You know, everything will, will happen for a reason and, and working hard. That's, that's what for coaches, that's what we're looking for. That's good. That's, good. That's, good. That's really good. So did you get a chance to watch the XFL? I watched a little bit of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't believe it already closed so quickly. I know. I know. And we got a chance to, uh, we got a chance to interview the uh, communication person for Dallas and we got sideline passes. So we were on the sideline, you know, a sports mom, we was on there. So we got a chance to look at the crowd and all that kind of stuff. But you know that it's supposed to be coming back, I think in 2022 or 21, Rock them. Uh, is coming back with it. So what do you what do you think about having like, you know, you got the NFL, but just because there's so many players and that's 1% having another professional league for for more players. What, what's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great because it's just like you said, it's only the 1% that make it in the NFL and there's so many so many kids that are hardworking that have had these dreams in such a young age. And this is what they set their hopes and, and lives around. And I think by having the XFL, I think it allows for, you know, more dreams to be met because even guys that have made it into the NFL, you know, or make it on practice squads, they get dropped so easily, especially, 
you know, you have a lot of guys on a roster through training camp. And then at the end of training camp, a lot of people are dropped and it's, it's not easy for anyone. So I think having a team like that, it also gives more coaches opportunities um, to feel what it feels like to coach at the elite level, more players. I mean, that so many more jobs and roles open up. I think it's really a good thing. And then from a, I guess, selfishly from a international perspective, a lot of our international guys have a much higher opportunity of making it in something like the XFL um, as opposed to the NFL. So no, I, I, I'm all for it. Did you guys enjoy your time watching? I did. And so uh, we didn't obviously didn't read the rules very good because when we was out there, we had we went live. And so the players, they was I mean, the fans, they were all acting crazy. So we went up and tried to interview. Them. And so that same communicate, you're not supposed to be interviewing. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK, I'm sorry. I was trying to keep the we were just trying to keep the vibe, you know, because it was just it was high energy. You know, it was different. Yeah. Um, than the NFL. Yeah. So uh, we were just trying to flow, but it was good. And then, so guess what? So when I went and I, the first day they gave me the pass and I was like, I gotta go. They gave us the pass. And so I went, I was just like, wow, I'm on the, I'm on the field. I was on the sideline. I said, let me get ready to go. And I went down the elevator and the elevator opened up and I got to meet Kyla Murray. No and so Kyle Mary is from Dallas and yeah. his high school team played my team DeSoto three times. He beat us three times, Allen. And oh, so they're God. like our rivalry. And so when I met, I was like, baby, you know, it's a plum. It's a pleasure just meeting you, baby. He took a picture with me and it was just, oh. just wow. It was Amazing. wow. So it was great. I was like, okay, that was my whole purpose of going. God wanted yeah. me to be able to meet him. It was, it was a great experience. I hope, I hope it comes back because it does give more boys the opportunity to play the game that they love. Yeah, definitely. And I think fans want more football. I mean, that's yes. what we hear all off season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that's good. You got something, Carmen? I do. I do. So Phoebe, you talked about I'm um, sending the elevator back down. Mm. So talk to us about how you've sent the elevator back down to help those and bring more people up to your level. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important. I think in, you know, whenever anybody makes it anywhere in life, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that you have to make it to the elite level to be able to give back to people. I think you can give back to people at any stage in your life. And for me, it's been so important to make sure that, you know, I got to where I am because of, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants. And I want to make sure that I'm able to share those experiences and, and help mentor and, just give others opportunities. So whether it is, you know, through coaching and starting a, um, so back in the UK, I'm starting a, a basically like a women's coaching, um, like development program. So, you know, teaching from the basic fundamentals and all the way up, giving them an open space to be able to have this dialogue. Um, I'm also looking into starting a female coaches um, opportunity within soccer in the UK, because that's not something that's really there's there's no female coaches within the men's game. Um, mm. So looking to kind of introduce that, I think just in terms of how much time you give to people as well, I try and go to as many events, watch as many young people, you know, see if there's anything I can do to help them in terms of 
like playing or doing coaching, like little clinics or whatever that may be, just to to really find a way to to give back. But I mean, honestly, if there's any opportunity where I can ever, you know, share my network, share whoever it is, just to help people, I think it's it's so important. And it's I think you know. I think as females, particularly, we need to, you know, fix each other's crowns, as they say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's good. That, that's re- that's really good. This year is what's considered the year of the mouth. And so that's why I think it's so important for the voices of moms to, you know, to share their story, to share, you know, what they did to raise up an athlete. I mean, mm-hmm. it can only help those who are coming behind us as far as what, you know, what dedication, nourishment you have to do to raise up uh Athletes, so they can make an informed decision, you know, whether they want their kid to play golf or football or tennis, you know, just hearing our stories, you know. And yeah. so that I, I, I really appreciate. Now, tell me about the sports in the UK. So do you isn't isn't there um is there a professional football team in the UK? So we don't have one actually in the UK. We do have um, like the GFL, so the German Football League or semi-pro kind of out in Germany. So when you go out to Europe, there's a lot more leagues that will actually pay for players to to play for them. Um, And that's female or male. Within the UK, um, it is literally just club teams essentially. But what was kind of cool about the UK is actually most people don't start playing football until they're probably – in their twenties. Um, wow. so yeah, because we don't offer it as like a high school sport. Um, and really, yeah. So that's why there's, I mean, there's, it's basically just a bunch of fans that love the sport so much. They're so dedicated. And then they start playing, you know, twenties, I'd say the average age of our kind of playing community is like mid thirties to forties. <laughs> really? So you don't really have kids over in the UK, like you know, dream of wanting to play in the NFL. It's not necessarily like like it is for, you know, in the U.S., you know, because we see it so much and it's in our schools. Our kids dream to do that. You don't necessarily have that over there. So we're starting to get that over here because now the NFL has created the first ever NFL Academy, which is based in oh. London. So oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty much for your kind of, um, I guess, junior, senior aged kids in high school. Um, and they basically have to go to school and they do football three days a week. And that's been, that's been really huge, I think, to motivate people to think that they've got an opportunity. I mean, that's the biggest thing. No one knew that they had these opportunities to play in the States before or make it in the NFL. But a combination of that, we also have really good ties with the CFL. So the Canadian Football League now, we've signed mm-hmm. a partnership with them. Um, and then we have something called the player pathway um, or some people know it as NFL undiscovered. And essentially what that is, is back in the day when there used to be NFL Europe there, mm-hmm. when, when that kind of all finished, they've kind of created a loophole within the NFL that says you can have one international player on your practice squad or on your roster and they don't count, right? The rest of the time your roster is pretty much sealed in terms of how many people you can have on the team. So uh, we have a few guys right now that are gone through our player pathway program, which is a 12 week intensive, 
like football camp, teaching people who may never have played the sport before how to play football um, based out of IMG in Bradenton, Florida. And then at the end of that, we give them out to different division, um, you know, different conferences within the NFL. So we have a guy who's with the Panthers. He's a defensive end. His name's F.A. Obata. He had, I guess, four years ago now, never even played a sport in his life. He was working at a warehouse in the middle of London. He, someone spotted him and thought, gosh, you need to do something because you're massive. Um, taught him all about football. I mean, he's got a crazy story. He's from Nigeria. He was trafficked as a child to London. And now wow. he's on the starting roster as a defensive end for the Panthers. Wow. Wow. Starting defensive end? Starting defensive end. Wow. Yeah. I would love to hear that story. Wow. Oh, he also sent yeah. it to you. He's incredible. Yeah. That is amazing. Because I was going to ask, you know, because, you know, we, you kind of just see kids growing and you be like, God, you're so big. Do you play a basketball or football? So do I've never been to UK or anything like that. Do are people kind of just big over there? Not nearly like oh. they are here in the U.S. Oh, okay. <laughs> they breed them differently oh. in the U.S. <laughs> right. We've got oh. some bigger guys, but uh, no, not particularly. I mean, I'd say the biggest sport in the U.K. for us is probably, well, it's soccer, okay. but then rugby. So you'll have this kind of like traditional rugby build of guys. But no, I mean, they're definitely just, I think maybe this younger generation is a bit bigger, but nothing compares to the average size of people you know, height-wise in the U.S. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and you went back there. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what do you, what do you like about it? Um, you know, I feel like I've really set my roots in the U.K. And for me, that's where my football journey started. And I thought it was really important to give back to the community that that's helped me so much and has kind of encouraged me and empowered me to grow and, and go out on this crazy journey. You know, truthfully, I, I do spend a lot of time between the UK and the US. Um, you know, I think when I'm, well, right now the UK is in lockdown, so I'm definitely in the US, but mm -hmm. I, I just think the people are lovely. Um, I love helping growing the sport from literally, you know, complete infancy and, and seeing the, like where the future could be, seeing that big picture of of all the people that could get opportunities, working with the NFL Academy. I mean, being able to see those 16-year-olds and see, you know, they've got their hopes and dreams ahead of them. I'm sure you guys have seen it with your sons and you just want to help everyone. You want to really encourage them to to achieve whatever it is that they've got their mindset to. And I feel like I can I can really offer that to people. That's good. I just oh, love baby. you. <laughs> um, I know, right? She's so cute. So, Phoebe, how did your mom and dad influence you? So, you said your mom was was British. Uh, she's from England, and like, you just called them up one day and said, "Okay, mom and dad, I'm going to Britain. Bye. See y'all." So yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, you know, truthfully, I've always been really independent. Um, and I think probably part of that comes down to horses, you know, the responsibility at a really young age. And I mean, I, I adopted my, my pony when I was 13. So I think that teaches you so much about dedication and responsibility. And, you know, I'd, I, I basically just 
knew that I had an opportunity to go work over in the UK for someone on the Dutch Olympic team with horses. And I just thought I couldn't throw that opportunity away. Um, so yeah, basically was like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> but you know, they've been really supportive. Um, I'll be honest, my mom doesn't really follow the sport. I think she's trying to get her head around it being British. You know, it's not right. something that she grew up with. So um, my dad understands it a bit more, obviously, uh, being an American. So, you know, but everyone's been been really supportive. Uncles, you know, even my family in, in the UK who don't understand the sport, they just want me to, you know, do well in life and be happy. So I think that yeah. means so much. You know, I think support comes in many different formats. And I'm just grateful to have really wonderful people in my life. Mm-hmm. That's good. So what do you see your um, future? What, what, what are your plans for the future for you? Yeah. Yeah. Truthfully, I would um, love to be back with the team. It's something that I'm working on. You know, when I, when I left the bills, uh, it was my own decision because we had the NFL Academy and that was something that I'd been working on beforehand. So it was really important to me to finish that and follow through with that because I knew it would change the lives of so many young kids. Um, and Coach McDermott was so supportive of it. You know, and we're still in contact all the time, which is brilliant. But I would love to get back with an NFL team just because there's no, you know, even though we were talking about the crazy schedule before, there's no replacement for that kind of euphoria of being part of something greater than yourself. Um, so for me, that's the ultimate goal. But whilst I'm, you know, whilst I'm working towards that, it's actually allowed a lot of opportunities to, you know, work on things in the UK or over here, whether it's being a, a female flag ambassador and, and working with young girls over in the US or working on a diversity inclusion committee in the UK and, and working to really help in that element. So, you know, I think I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've, I'm able to wear so many hats at the moment. And I think I'm sure as you guys will say the same lockdown and COVID has really kind yeah. of changed our view on the world. And I think we just all feel like we really need to I mean, we have to be more creative, but also take advantage of all the time that we have, the time we have with loved ones. Um, my my colleague and I have written a children's book about, uh, yeah. So we've got a kid's book all about a female lead that goes and tries flag football. Um, oh, what's the name of the book? So we can, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send it. It's called Eden and the Dukes. Um, so it was kind of copied off of my, uh, my colleague's daughter's Eden, and she's only five years old. But it's about her going and trying out this new sport called flag football, and um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I I love it. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that's, that's good. good. How do Phoebe? How do we encourage more girls to get involved in football? And I mean, you know, it's always kind of been mm, not acceptable. Yeah, yeah, not acceptable for girls to play. And I'm there are girls that could do an amazing job playing football. Oh, uh, I have a daughter who mahogany had hands like she played basketball and volleyball. She actually played volleyball in Germany, professional volleyball. Oh my god! But I mean, she would have been a great receiver too. Like she just had, <laughs> she like she's tall, almost six foot. You know, I mean, wow. she would have just been a great receiver. But not that that was never opened up to her. Like that would that was never an option for her. Yeah. And I think that's probably the case, you know, a lot. I think it's changing now. I, th- I think what's really important is visibility of people. 
you know, I know everyone kind of thinks it's cliche, but the line of you, if you can see her, you can be her. But if you don't see people that are in a role or doing something that you want to do, you never think that you can. So it's really important. I mean, even what you guys are doing is incredible, showing the world that, you know, you can be a mom, you can do this, you can be so supportive and you can share these stories, you can be vulnerable. And that's so key because I think that, Otherwise, people just kind of keep that to themselves, or they don't say anything, or they don't go mm -hmm. try something new because they're so the fear of what others think um, yeah. holds yes. them back. So, being visible, um, you know, I know it's not easy to shout about yourself, but you kind of have to do it. You kind of have to say, "Look, this is these are the opportunities for people. Let's get involved." Um, but don't be afraid to try something new. You know, it, it's yeah. it's only going to help you grow, and it's. It's something that you don't know. It could totally change your life like it has for me. And the way that sport makes you feel, it, it's so empowering. I think especially as a female playing football, whether it's flag or contact, it's so incredibly empowering. Um, so I would recommend it to anybody, just try something new. Don't be afraid to, to do that. So <laughs> That's good stuff. Aiden Dukes. Aiden and yeah. Dukes. Good. Okay, so mm -hmm. I have one more question, Phoebe, because we're getting to get real. Okay, so how often did you get hit on when you were coaching? <laughs> you know what? I I have to say the guys are so professional, and and it was also you know the way that you put yourself across, right? For me, yeah, I was in this role, and I was I knew that you know whether I, it was an actual external pressure, if it was just in my head, I I knew that. I was kind of waving a flag for females to come. And if there was ever anything that I did that was wrong, even the slightest little bit, you know, if I said the wrong thing or anything like that, I thought that that would prevent any opportunities for other females in the future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I knew I was, I was there to work and that was how I saw it. You know, these are my athletes. Um, they saw me as a coach. You know, I think I, I, there was one time when I first started, um, I remember we were on the sidelines and I, I'd kind of stepped back and I stood on one of the um, linebackers feet and he turned and he, he turned around. And he was like, Oh, sorry, baby. And then he realized that he was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. I, he was mortified. He was like, I am so sorry. You know, but he probably had <laughs> right. never had a female in that role. You know, he, the only time he'd ever, yes. you know, he'd never seen a, a female on the football field. And for him, you know, in whenever, whatever his ex extracurricular activities were, it probably would be how he referred to a female. So it was never anything, you know, malicious about it, but mm -hmm. you know, it, it was, I was there for work. They understood that they, they treated me literally like a coach and they were, they've been brilliant, you know? And I think that's the way it needs to be. It needs to be professional because if you ever cross that line, mm -hmm. first off, that will never be, that will never go well for you as a coach. Right, because right. the others say right. you're doing, you're only coaching for this. You're only doing, right. you know, you want money, you want this, and that's not mm -hmm. what it's about. It's a passion that I love to coach and I love to help people. Um, and I think it's just you, you know, it's like any other job. You, you're just professional. Um, right. And plus, you're around. I mean, you guys have sons. If you're around boys mm -hmm. like that all the day, they stink. They're stinky. They're right. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, just get me out of here. I want nothing to do with men. This is too much. I couldn't five minutes of talking to a girl anywhere. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, goodness. <laughs> it, it really, the locker rooms are just no joke. I'm just mm. like, where did all this come from? Oh. It just stays in there. I know. Wow. It's horrible. <laughs> it is. So, you know, you, you've been a coach, you've been a player, and you've been, can you, do you honestly think that women need to cross that line or the line of going into being coaches and referees in the NFL, or should we just stay separate? I mean, even if we did do tackle football, we did it, but not necessarily because now you have girls that want to be on boys teams and, and we're just uh, intermingling a lot of things I mean, it's okay to play it, but keep it separate? Or do you think we need to cross up those lines? you have an opinion about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously think that more females should be involved in coaching, refereeing, playing any format of the game, right? You know, whether it's scouting or athletic trainers, there's a role for everyone. And I think when you open up your talent pool and you diversify it, you can pick more people and you get a better staff at the end of the day. But I think when it comes to playing, at the moment – We've never had the opportunity for female-only teams. So, and we because we've never had enough females wanting to play the sport. So you do end up with a lot of females on on men's teams. But I think as as time goes on and we get more people involved in the sport and the standard of it for females especially is developing, I think you'll just find naturally that you know college will have female tackle or, you know, even right now with the NAIA have, being able to get a scholarship to play flag football in college, get an education. I mean, that's incredible. It's something right. we never thought was possible and that's for females. Right. So, um, you know, I've got one of my friends, Tony Harris, she's out there playing in college against men. Um, and it's amazing what she's doing. You know, she's, she's killing it out there with the guys, but I know she also would, you know, love to have a female team to play on as well. And there are like club teams essentially, but to get the recognition, to be able to get an education um, through playing the sport would be incredible. Yeah. Now, what college is she playing for, Phoebe? She's going to kill me if I can't remember the name of it. Starts, uh, I think it's Missouri. Um, I'll, I'll find it out. But she's, I mean, T-O-N-I, Tony Harris. Yeah, Tony mm -hmm. Harris is unbelievable. Um, wow. I love to watch her. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. lots of information on her because she's incredible. I know she right now she's um, working on getting into pageants whilst there's no football going on. I mean, a woman that can be out wow. there killing it and then do this. I mean, right? Um, I think uh, we are going to have on the show. I think uh, her name is Jenkins or something because there is a women uh, professional tackle team, and I thought they just like um, uh, Adidas or somebody is one of their yeah. sponsor. Oh, you're uh, going to have um, Jenkins. Yeah. Odessa. Yeah. yeah Odessa. Yeah. Yeah. She's I reached awesome. out to her to come on the show and, and talk about what she's doing. And that's yeah. going to be another, I mean, here it goes. That's going to be another uh, big sports because we do. And we did have another lady on the show. She plays. She's actually here from the solo. And she's like 30. Uh, she's like 40 some years old. And she's still that. playing linebacker. So oh, you were saying wow. you're 31. You can still be playing. <laughs> you can still, you can oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter. Yeah. yeah. 
Just keep the body in shape. We'll be okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, OJ has amazing energy. I mean, talk about energy. That girl lights up a room. So I'm excited. You guys are going to get on like a house on fire. She's incredible. Yeah, so Yay. that's wonderful. And you know what? Um, somebody was telling me something about, I guess it's called something like sister cities and how you can you can be in one city and you connect to a, another country. And so when you were just talking about the different um, uh, sports that you're trying to bring to the young people, I could just imagine how have you found a, a group of guys who wanted to learn the, the game of football that they could come here in the summertime oh, yeah. and connect to one of our high school and come through the training and just learn. That. I was like, that's, that's the kind of stuff we could do. We could be yeah. like sisters. They call them sisters, city, city sister oh, city. Yeah. Oh, I love so that. You had organs and you scouted some kids and see if we could raise money for yeah. it to uh, have them to come over here and live, yeah. uh, you know, and go go through the sports with one of the teams over here. That would be cool. Oh my gosh, they would yeah. love that, honestly. Yeah. Oh, what a great money. idea. God, you <laughs> got to give some money. That's money a great now. idea. That's a great <laughs> idea. You could get parents to sponsor and, like, mm -hmm. you know, keep them, you know, in the home, it's, like you yeah. do with foreign. You know, foreign students foreign and exchange, stuff that yeah. come, foreign exchange students and stuff. I could see that working, Karen. That would be oh, incredible. Let's oh get Lord. it done. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that would that would oh, be man. good. Where, where, because you're saying sports is not that big in the high schools, but those who want to come over and learn it, they could come over and learn it. And then that's the trend where it goes back and started, and that creates the the travel teams that you guys mm -hmm. could put together. You can come to the U.S. and play the team. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. What else What else you got, Phoebe? What else? You, you just igniting creativity. <laughs> I know. I mean, it is incredible. I, I think I know like our um, – we have an, the NFL Academy and then we've got something called Filton Pride, who is another academy. I mean, so those are two teams that I'm sure they could raise some money and, and you know, if you take a few kids on. I mean, that's the hardest thing, isn't it, is finding somewhere for these kids to stay when they're out in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want mm -hmm. them to be on their own and you want to be able no. to see the people you, you trust. You don't want to yeah. run in wild. Nope. <laughs> My husband and I have, um, we've hosted foreign exchange students before. So I could see that really being something where, you know, you take three or four kids, yeah. you know. Yeah, definitely. I got a five bedroom. My kids are gone. I know. Yeah. I know. Now right. I got to go down and convince I'm my husband. He's going to be like, Aaron, I told you to stay away from sports. I'm like, I can't. I blood. So all we need to do is now is find someone that would sponsor yeah. And and kind of like follow their journey, you know, and yeah. uh, oh I'm sure gosh. we can find that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Especially between yeah. the two countries, the countries. And and even if you got someone like Nike or Under Armour or somebody to pitch in and start helping. And even yeah. the NFL, you know, if we're training up the kids that are going to be the next NFL you know, prospects coming right. from different countries, they might even want to get involved. Right. 
and just yeah. making the awareness of the sports. Cause I know like, you know, once a year or something, they, they play a game in another country. Yeah. So they, of course they are trying to build up that, that awareness and make that game popular than soccer that mm-hmm. are, you know, so. Yeah. Cause England, they go to England every year. I guess they didn't yeah. do it this year because of COVID, but yeah, they go to, they have usually a couple of games in England yeah. every year. Yeah, about four games a year. So, and they're sold out every time. Really? Yeah, it's incredible. But it's incredible because it's not like, you know, if we were at a Cowboys game, everyone's in their Cowboys gear, everyone's cheering for them. When you go to a game in the UK, you have fans from, you know, the 80s wearing their, you know, it, it might be a, a Dolphins uh, Jets game. And the, yeah, you've got Dolphins jersey, you've got Vikings jerseys, you'll have more jerseys from other teams than you would probably the two teams that were actually playing. Right. <laughs> Just because they want to come out, huh? Yeah. Just because they want Exactly. <laughs> well, wow. Okay. Okay. Okay, can we do it? It's been really good. It's been really good. And Phoebe, you haven't inspired us. You haven't oh. ins- you haven't inspired us to to do more. And yeah. to speak more. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank, no, you. thank you, you guys. You guys are incredible. I mean, you you inspire me just with what you're doing. I, I don't know how you manage it all, but it's incredible. And and please keep doing what you're doing because you're helping so many people out there. Even if they don't reach out to you and tell you, just sharing your stories helps so many people. Mm. Thank you so much because I was yeah. definitely saying God, God. I, I I don't know God. I don't know why I'm doing this. God, I I. I I, I was definitely having a moment today. So I appreciate that encouragement um, for saying that. Thank you so much. No yeah. problem. And thanks again for coming on the show. We're, we're going to be doing our season finale this, this coming Sunday. We have done over 80 shows. So going on almost a year and we're going to take part of your three month break and uh, just try to figure out what we're going to do for next year. So we we appreciate it. Maybe you'll come back and let us know uh, what you guys are doing over there. Maybe you can bring some players on and let us talk to them and just get okay. their stories. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. We would love to talk to some more players and yeah, especially in the UK because the way we're doing it now, where they could just get online and mm-hmm. you know just hook up with us. So yeah, absolutely, they love that. And then if you actually start coaching or something, we might need to come over and we'll be over there at your game. We'll be there, baby. UK. Yeah. Can we talk? Can we talk sports going to the UK? <laughs> I, love, I love London. I, I, I love, love it. London. It's oh, good. Foggy, foggy all the time, though. Yeah. Foggy all the yeah. time. The thing That's I remember good. most about London was that, like two, three o'clock in the morning, the streets are packed. Yeah, that people <laughs> everywhere like, don't y'all sleep? Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Doing, uh, so I got clubs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah they like. Oh, it's a, a party time. city. Yes, they like their drink. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we gotta come and visit. <laughs> yeah, we gotta come and visit. You're always welcome. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Hey, you guys, you have been watching Can We Talk Sport. We ask you to like 
and share this video. If you're on YouTube, we ask you to subscribe, um, but just share. Uh, we appreciate you guys. And also in the post, we have a um, GoFundMe. We're trying to take our when we come back this uh, next year, we, we're going to be working on marketing and uh, just taking this thing to a whole nother level, looking a little bit more professional. And so we ask you to give donations if you would like to. So, all right. I am Karen. I got my host. Carmen, a.k.a. Mama D. <laughs> and we had our guest, Phoebe. <laughs> yeah so all right ladies good night thank you so much baby yes.